Hello there, everyone. I'm Rob, the Black Country Talking News producer, and this week's edition is for the 20th of July, 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the Cyclos Charity Beacon Centre. We are pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspaper skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking hyphen news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Thank you, Angela. Speaking for us this week, we have myself, Rob, Helen, Mina, Angela, Ed, Christine, Ian, Anne, Craig, Mary, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, some local news in the Black Country. We have the weekly quiz with Mina, news from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves, a Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, information about an appeal to improve buses for people with sight loss, Craig has some cooling facts all about ice cream, we hear about the Beacon's befriending service and filter glasses. And rounding us off, we find out about a project that allows us to listen to the solar system. However, we start this week with an important message. We would like to make visitors to our Sedgley Centre aware that the site will be inaccessible on Thursday the 4th of August due to Wolverhampton Road East being used for the Commonwealth Games as a part of the route for the cycling time trial. So please do not attempt to visit on this day unless it is absolutely necessary as restrictions and roadblocks will be in place for the majority of the day, and we will be closed for all but essential care activities. Now we move on to the guess the sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip, and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and Mina will reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. We have now then, as always... Some local news, brought to us by Ian, Christine, Ed, Liz, and first up, it's Angela. Suspected heart attack and stroke patients will be told it could be several hours before an ambulance arrives under new advice for when the service is under pressure. Midlands Ambulance Service issued the new guidance this week. West Midlands Ambulance Service staff were briefed on the changes earlier this week. It means that when the service is at its busiest, what are called surge three and four statuses, call handlers will be told to tell callers with suspected heart attacks and strokes that it may take several hours before an ambulance is available. Ambulance trusts are told to aim to reach category two patients such as those with strokes or heart attacks in an average time of 18 minutes. Senior ambulance officials have repeatedly voiced concerns over the state of the service in recent months, saying that patients have been coming to harm and even dying due to delays. 
One of the major issues has been delays in handing patients over to hospitals, with crews waiting for more than 10 hours in hospital car parks on repeated occasions. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said they were working incredibly hard to find ways to improve response times. He said the ambulance service relies on each part of the health and social care system working together so that our ambulances can get to patients in the community quickly. Sadly, the pressures we are seeing in health and social care lead to long hospital handover delays with our crews left caring for patients that need admitting to hospital rather than responding to the next call. The result is that our crews are delayed reaching patients. We are working incredibly hard with all of our NHS and social care partners to prevent these delays, looking at new ways to safely hand over patients quickly so that our crews can respond more rapidly and save more lives. Train drivers at eight rail companies, including West Midlands Trains, are to stage a 24-hour Saturday strike later this month in pay disputes threatening more disruption to services. Members of ASLEF, at West Midlands Trains, Arriva Railway London, Chiltern Railways, Greater Anglia, Great Western, Hull Trains, LNER and South Eastern will walk out on the 30th of July. Drivers on Greater Anglia will also strike on July the 23rd and those on Hull Trains will strike on the 16th and 23rd of July. The action is in addition to a planned strike by the Rail, Maritime and Transport Union at train companies and Network Rail on the 27th of July and by TSSA members on Avanti West Coast on the same day. ASLEV General Secretary Mick Whelan said, We don't want to go on strike. Strikes are the result of a failure of negotiation. And this union, since I was elected General Secretary in 2011, has only ever been on strike until this year for a handful of days. We don't want to inconvenience passengers, not least because our friends and families use public transport too. And we believe in, pu- in building trust in the railways in Britain. And we don't want to lose money by going on strike. But we've been forced into this position by the train companies driven by the Tory government. The drivers at the companies where we are striking have had a real term pay cut over the past three years since April 2019. These companies are offering us nothing, saying their hands have been tied by the government. That means in real terms, with inflation running ahead at 9%, 10% and even 11% this year, according to which index you use, that they are being told to take a real terms pay cut and that is not acceptable. Strike action is now the only option available, but we are always open to talks if the train companies or the government want to talk to us and make a fair and sensible offer. A Dudley councillor has said that council meetings not being held in a hybrid format is discriminatory against women. But leader of the council, Patrick Harley, called the claim absolute nonsense. The issue put forward by councillor Chris Barnett sought to push the council to hold meetings both online and face to face. Currently, residents wishing to listen in on Dudley council meetings must attend in person. In a passionate debate, Councillor Barnett labelled the Council's decisions to dismiss hybrid meetings discriminatory against those who cannot attend and particularly women who may have children to look after. He said not providing access over the internet using Teams or Zoom 
or whatever facility we might use, could quite reasonably be described as discriminatory. We are discriminating against people who could otherwise attend but are not able to because they have childcare issues or they have caring issues for adults. I feel specifically that it would be more discriminatory to women in particular who traditionally take on more of these care roles. I really feel that we should think again very strongly about having hybrid meetings. Councillor Harley said, the issue is not closed and the council will continue to consult and try to find ways to engage with more members of the public. The last time we did it, it clearly didn't work. There were a lack of people getting engaged at all, but I think it does need to be visited again to see whether we can encourage more people to come forward. But in answer to Councillor Barnett, if you want to argue for hybrid meetings, then use a better reason than that. The reason he gave was absolute nonsense. Road closures brought in as part of a £15.7 million Wolverhampton pedestrianisation scheme have been extended by up to three months. A number of routes in Wolverhampton city centre have been blocked to traffic since the start of the year while Victoria Street is pedestrianised. Now, council chiefs have announced extensions to road closures linked to the scheme, which has caused misery for local businesses who say trade has dried up. Labour-run Wolverhampton Council says the whole scheme remains on target to be completed by early next year and revealed the extensions were necessary after a collapsed Victorian sewer was discovered. The closure of Salop Street from its junction with School Street to its junction with Worcester Street has been pushed back three months and is now scheduled to reopen at the end of October. The same applies to Cleveland Street, which is closed from its junction with Worcester Street, Victoria Street, to its junction with Cleveland Passage. Meanwhile, Mitre Fold and North Street will remain shut off to traffic until November the 11th, six weeks longer than planned. Temporary traffic signals will remain in place on Red Lion Street until the same date. Councillor Stephen Simpkins, Wolverhampton Council's Deputy Leader and City Economy Chief, said the works remained firmly on track to be completed by early next year. All the traffic management on the scheme is being carried out alongside regular communication with the traders to minimise disruption to them, he said. The short extensions to some of the traffic regulation orders are standard on any construction project of this nature and there is absolutely no threat of delay to the overall programme. In this instance, the extensions are caused by unforeseen circumstances beyond our control, such as the discovery of a collapsed Victorian sewer. The City Council is currently considering hardship funding for traders impacted by the scheme amid claims footfall has been reduced to a trickle. A campaign has been launched to pressure Tesco into reversing its decision to stop people using its Stourbridge car park to attend shows at the town hall. Tesco removed an old car park in Stourbridge to make way for its extra store in the High Street and promised to provide long-stay parking in Stourbridge town centre. However, now in a blow to the town's nightlife, the company has stopped people using the car park for more than two hours. 
Previously, until 2015, it was three hours. The online petition is currently backed by over 750 people who are calling on Tesco to continue to support Stourbridge by allowing parking for more than two hours for community events and local groups. Community campaigner Andrew Tromans, who launched the petition, said, The multi-storey car park, which served the former Crown Court, was demolished in order to make room for Tesco Extra Stourbridge. Since then, local people have relied on the Tesco car park for their shopping in the store, but also for safe local parking when visiting the town hall or the Crystal's leisure centre. Andrew continued, Tesco do a lot of good in Stourbridge by supporting local charities and community groups. I really hope they will reconsider their decision and work with others to come up with an arrangement for long-stay parking. It is likely that our town will suffer if Tesco does not budge on this issue. A two-hour limit has been in place since 2015, cut down from the original three hours free. But theatre-goers attending shows at the Town Hall, which forms part of the Crown Centre complex, were often given discretionary grace to overstay for the duration of the event they were attending, upon informing management at the store. Wollaston and Stourbridge Town Councillor Kat Eccles said, There is a real sense of disappointment from people that Tesco have turned their backs on the community in this way. She added, I've been working with council officers and others to come up with solutions to present to Tesco. Some residents have even said they are happy to pay a little bit extra to stay longer in the car park. We're hoping that Tesco will see sense and continue to support Stourbridge Town. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update. Hi everyone, it's Helen at Beacon. How are you? I hope you're okay and you haven't been too warm in this weather. It has been hot. Don't forget, if you do need any additional support while we're in the middle of this heat wave, give us a call to see if we can help. You can ring us on 01902 880 Now, talking of summer, I wanted to start this week with news that our summer raffle is back. There are 10 incredible prizes up for grabs this year and you could be in with a chance of winning them for just £1. We've got beauty salon vouchers, family days out and the chance to get your home looking sparkly clean with £100 worth of internal domestic cleaning services from Merry Maids. Each and every entry helps us ensure that no one has to face sight loss alone. So what are you waiting for? Enter today and see if you'll be one of our winners. You can get your ticket in any of our shops or online. Head to www.beaconvision.org forward slash summer hyphen raffle hyphen 2022 to find out more. Now, can you help? Our stores are in need of donations of good quality clothing, homeware and furniture. If you have a pre-loved gem that could have a new lease of life with someone else, then why not donate it and help support our work? You can drop items into any of our stores when they're open, or we can collect furniture for free if you book by calling 01902 880 Lastly, we think you'll like this story this week. Raising funds to support the Beacon Centre really is a piece of cake with the latest charity fundraiser. We're encouraging people to help make a difference to people with sight loss by indulging in an afternoon tea at our centre or by hosting your own community event. Pet pooches across the region can even get in on the act with a special dog-friendly afternoon tea event that's being hosted by us as well. Activities are going to take place next month as part of Afternoon Tea Week, which runs between August 8th and 14th. 
People will be able to enjoy an afternoon tea at our restaurant at our centre on Wolverhampton Road East between August the 9th and August the 11th. Prices are £12.95 for a selection of sandwiches, cakes and tea and coffee or £15.95 to include a glass of Prosecco. Very nice at the moment in this weather, wouldn't it? On August the 10th, we'll also be hosting a special dog-friendly serving for people who want to treat their pet pooches while they have an afternoon tea. For £7, the dog will get their own tasty treats to enjoy along with a toy. Anyone who can't make it can also host their own afternoon tea at home in aid of Beacon and further information is available on our website. The Beacon Centre's Supporter Engagement Manager, Sophie Higgins, told us, An afternoon tea is a great way to get together with friends, family, work, colleagues as well. So we're delighted to give people the chance to enjoy one while helping to make a difference for people with sight loss living locally. Supporters can also donate £5 by texting PARTY, and that's P-A-R-T-E-A, do you see what we did there, to 70450, text costs £5 plus one standard rate message. For more information, call Beacon on 01902-880-111, email inquiries at beaconvision.org, or visit our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash afternoon hyphen tea hyphen week. That's all for this week. I'll be back again soon. Bye. Thank you as always, Helen, for bringing us that Beacon update. Up now, we have another block of local news. And starting this one off, it's Christine. The long-awaited £35 million West Midlands Metro extension in Wolverhampton will open soon after the Commonwealth Games. Bosses announced last month the 700-metre stretch of line from St George's tram stop with the railway station would not be ready for the major competition. They have confirmed the majority of construction activity has now been completed, with testing and commissioning set to take place after the event. No firm date has yet been set for the long-running works to finish, but the Games end on August the 8th, so the new line should be operational soon afterwards. The works have been pushed back by around 18 months, mainly due to issues relating to COVID-19. A spokesperson for the Midland Metro Alliance, which is building the extension under contract from the West Midlands Combined Authority, said the majority of construction activity has been completed, with some minor public realm works to conclude after the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. The area will be opened up with some temporary surfacing in place in time for the sporting event. Testing and commissioning will begin after the Games, subject to tram availability, with a view to opening later in the year. This has been part of a complex interchange project involving numerous partners and multiple works. A pandemic memorial, pocket park, walled garden restoration and electric vehicle charging points are amongst proposals set to be discussed by Chiefs in Dudley. The projects will all use funding from the Council's Community Infrastructure Levy, generated through a levy on new development, which is then channelled into community infrastructure projects. Proposals include the creation of two COVID-19 community pandemic memorials in Hales Owen and Briley Hill, a new pocket park linking Stourbridge bus station to the town centre, and the restoration and repair of the final section of the walled garden at Wollaskett Hall, which will allow continued use of the park and allow Dudley Mind to return to use the gardens. 
Other projects include the Stour Bridge parapet enhancement, including a nod to the Monarch's Way referencing the route taken by King Charles II during his escape to the continent in 1651, following his defeat by Cromwell. The final element planned is the installation of electric vehicle charging sockets across the borough. This forms part of a wider scheme to install 200 public charging schemes across the black country, allowing people to charge their vehicles more conveniently. Councillor Simon Phipps, Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Enterprise, said, These projects show how effective the community infrastructure levy is, allowing us to invest nearly half a million in community projects, which create a more pleasant environment for everyone and help instill civic pride. There are plenty of worthy projects benefiting this year and I want to make sure that the community infrastructure levy can be used to benefit many more in the future. I look forward to see the development of these proposals. More than 50 bronze memorial plaques have been stolen from graves at a cemetery in Wolverhampton in an act slammed as deplorable by leaders of the city. The thieves struck at Merrydale Cemetery on Jeffcock Road earlier this week with plaques each measuring 24 inches by 18 inches. It is believed they struck at night. Police and council chiefs have said they are determined to do all they can to track down the culprits and have urged scrap dealers not to accept any of the items. Councillor Steve Evans, Wolverhampton Council's Cabinet Member, for City Environment and Climate Change said, this is an absolutely deplorable act which we condemn in the strongest possible terms. It will no doubt sicken the families of those affected and we are determined to do all we can to help track down the culprits. The incident happened during the night and Merrydale Cemetery was locked at the time, so we think those responsible must have either scaled the entrance gates or cemetery walls in order to gain access. I would ask anyone who has information which may help apprehend the culprits to contact police on 101 as soon as possible. Chief Superintendent Richard Fisher of Wolverhampton Police added, We recognise the devastating effects crimes such as these have on grieving family members. We are making inquiries to seek to identify the culprits and ask for all our metal recycling and scrap merchants to help us by not accepting any items that are likely to be part of this theft and call us should anyone attend trying to dispose of them. We will be passing the message during visits to our local dealers. Extra weekend slots will soon be available at a household waste recycling centre in Dudley to help meet demand at peak times. Dudley Council is proposing to add an extra 50 appointments on Saturdays and Sundays at the Starbridge facility. A total of 750 appointments would be available each day in future. The proposed new opening times would be Monday 8am to 6pm and Tuesday to Friday from 8am to 4pm. This follows data showing the facility runs at less than 40% capacity in the last two hours on weekdays. Weekend opening times remain the same at 8am to 4pm. Councillor Shaz Salim, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm, said This is about meeting the demands of the busy weekend periods and making the best use of the facility. 
Since we increased the weekday opening by two hours a day, we have seen less than 40% of slots being booked in these times, which is costing the authority money. By reducing the weekday opening hours, we can move capacity to the weekend and accommodate more people at a time when they are more likely to need access to the tip. Stats tell us there simply isn't enough demand to maintain and justify the cost of the extended opening hours during the week. We plan to revert back to the usual opening hours, but we are looking to move the late night opening to a Monday instead of Thursday. I would also like to remind people that appointments can be booked online, but also cancelled online. Please cancel appointments if you need to, as we've seen thousands of people fail to turn up and appointments wasted. People can book a slot online or by calling Dudley Council Plus. A proposal to twin Wolverhampton with a town or city in Ukraine is to be put to civic chiefs next week as a way of building on the council's official pledge of support for the war-torn nation. An emergency notice unanimously backing increased aid for the country's people was passed at a meeting of the city's full council in March. The motion put before council read, The City of Wolverhampton Council stands with and expresses its support for the people of Ukraine and the Ukrainian community in our city following the illegal invasion by the Russian state of the independent, democratically elected, sovereign Ukrainian nation-state. Now, City Councillor Simon Bennett, Deputy Leader of the Conservative Group, is putting forward a second motion calling for closer ties with Ukraine. About four months ago, a full council passed a motion expressing its support to Ukraine and the Ukrainian community in Wolverhampton, he said. We had representatives from the Wolverhampton Ukrainian Centre visit the meeting and talk more about their plight. The motion I am bringing to next week's full council meeting is about building on that and forming a permanent and lasting bond with part of Ukraine. There has been a strong connection with Ukraine throughout history, particularly after the Second World War, when displaced Ukrainians were integrated into the UK. The UK was also the first nation to recognise Ukrainian independence from the Soviet Union. Wolverhampton has shown more recently great support to Ukraine, as demonstrated by attendance at rallies, homes being open to refugees and donations to go to Ukraine. I want to see Wolverhampton and the council lead the way by forging a connection with a town or city in Ukraine similar to our own, so that in the immediate future we can offer help and aid and longer term assistance with their rebuilding. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's seaside themed flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. In what month is Mr Punch's birthday? Question 2. What title is given to Punch and Judy Mann? Question 3. What was the original name for sticks of seaside rock? 
Question four. How long is Blackpool's Golden Mile? Question five. What was used to build the first piers? And finally, question six. Where is the world's largest pier? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Cheers for those beach-related questions, Mina. And of course, give those a ponder. But up now, we go into another block of local news. Starting this one for us, it's Angela. Dudley Town Hall is closing over the summer for a refurbishment. The revamped Town Hall will see redecoration of the main auditorium, the existing bar and the banqueting suite, plus replacement of the stall chairs and refurbishment of the balcony seats. The new Brooks Bar and Bistro will open in late summer, allowing showgoers to eat and drink before or after a performance as part of an all-round visitor experience. It will also be open during the day for visitors to the town centre and not just for those attending a performance. The hall will be closed from Monday while refurbishment takes place, reopening in early September. Councillor Simon Phipps, Dudley Council's Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Enterprise, said the shows we are booking are just getting bigger and better and we felt that our audience and performers deserve a venue that does them all justice. This refurbishment work will create a more attractive venue for performers and a more comfortable and contemporary experience for our audience. With the addition of Brooks Bar and Bistro, a trip to Dudley Town Hall can now become a full and stylish evening experience. He added, These works will complement the culture offer across the whole of our borough, which also includes Stourbridge Town Hall and Hales Owens Cornbow Hall, that is set for a rebrand with new and exciting performances coming over the next 12 months, in addition to its strong community offer. The bar and bistro will be accessed off Priory Street using the Memorial Tower entrance, with plans to also create an outside seating area for continental-style drinking and dining during the warmer months. A consultation event has been launched to gauge the public's opinion for a new health and wellbeing centre on a former training site in Wolverhampton. Plans for the former Oxley Day Training Centre are at an early stage but have been put forward alongside new homes by Wolverhampton Council Chiefs. The authority is calling on people to have their say at a workshop outside the Probert Road surgery between 3.30pm and 6pm on Saturday July 23rd. A feasibility study for the scheme on the vacant council-owned Probert Road site has been undertaken with a view to an outline planning application being submitted later this year following further talks and a public consultation. Councillor Bupinda Gakhal, Wolverhampton Council Cabinet Member for City Assets and Housing, said, This is an ambitious proposal that makes use of a brownfield site that is no longer in use. It will provide invaluable health and well-being services for the local community and will also help deliver more and better homes in Oxley. We want residents to really get involved in the design process and have their say and I would urge them to get along to the community event on July the 23rd. Anyone who requires any further information about the community workshop should email oxleyconsultation at acercoms.co.uk 
or call 01952 221 281. A green scheme to help tenants in Dudley save that on their energy bills is up for a national award. Dudley Council's energy advice team, in partnership with EQUANS, have been shortlisted in the Climate Change Retrofit Project of the Year category at the Inside Housing Development Awards 2022. The two organisations have been shortlisted in recognition of their Greener Homes, Green Lives project. This has seen the Council and EQUANS work together to improve the energy efficiency of nearly 300 homes and provide specialist advice to tenants on how to reduce their energy usage and costs. Homes have been retrofitted with external wall insulation, solar panels and upgraded electric heating systems to help lower carbon emissions and reduce the cost of heating bills and levels of fuel poverty. The project has been funded with a £1.6 million grant through the Local Authority Delivery Grant and a £1 million contribution from Dudley Council. The homes of the most vulnerable tenants known to the Council were chosen for the scheme. Councillor Laura Taylor-Childs, Cabinet Member for Housing and Community, said with energy costs continuing to rise, we are doing all we can to help our most vulnerable tenants manage their bills through this project. The retrofit of insulation, solar panels and improved electrical heating will make homes more cost-efficient to run, with the added bonus of being greener for the planet too. It also means these homes are future-proofed. Being shortlisted for this award already demonstrates the value in what we are doing. Dudley Council's Energy Advice Line is also able to offer advice to anyone in the borough. People can call 01384 817 086. Plans to turn a landmark former church in Wolverhampton City Centre into a major social hub hosting wedding parties and jazz concerts have been withdrawn. Darlington Street Methodist Church, notable for its large green dome, held its last service in September 2019, closing after almost 120 years of worship. A bid to transform the building into a venue capable of accommodating a variety of community functions was submitted to the council in May by Reginda Dinza of Wolverhampton-based Hallmark Investment Properties. However, the applicants have now called a temporary halt to the proposals with a view to revising the plans. A council spokesperson said, The new owners have engaged with the council's planning team and recently submitted a planning application for change of use from church to multifunctional use as an event space for entertainment and ancillary activities. Dedicated planning and conservation officers are working directly with the owners and Historic England to agree a proposal that is acceptable in principle and will, most importantly, maintain the significance and special character of the former church. Any changes will need to be justified with appropriate supporting documentation, including heritage statements and design and feasibility studies. Following these discussions, the owners have withdrawn their current planning application to have further negotiations with council representatives and officers from Historic England before resubmitting the application, added the spokesperson. Outside of the planning discussions, council officers have been in contact with the owners to understand the extent of the essential building and roof repairs 
that are currently underway to preserve the building's longevity. Dudley Council is embracing 1980s nostalgia with the launch of the next Let's Get Moving challenge. Every fortnight for the rest of July, August and September, a short video will be uploaded on the Dudley Let's Get website and TikTok to encourage people to move more. Set to classic 80s Bananarama hit, It Ain't What You Do, It's The Way That You Do It, each clip demonstrates simple and enjoyable ways that people can add movement into their day. Councillor Ian Bevan, Cabinet Member for Public Health, said... From playing with the kids to seated exercise and taking a short walk, there are lots of things we can easily do with little or no equipment to keep ourselves moving. Remember, any movement, no matter how small or simple, is better than doing nothing. Being active can reduce the chance of getting diseases. It can strengthen bones and muscles, improve balance, encourage better sleep and reduce anxiety. He added... I have added my own short video to the Let's Get campaign showing how I add movement to my time working at the council house by climbing some of the 500 steps we have in the building. The launch video showcases the Mayor of Dudley, Councillor Sue Greenaway, sharing simple chair-based exercises. The Let's Get Moving campaign urges everyone to move for at least 30 minutes throughout each day. To find out more about the support and resources offered through the Let's Get Moving campaign, go to the Dudley Public Health website, www.letts-get.com forward slash move. Up now, we hear how the Thomas Pocklington Trust has written to the Transport Secretary appealing for action to deliver promised improvements to audio announcements on buses to help visually impaired travellers. DNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Anne with an item from the Thomas Pocklington Trust website addressing issues with bus travel by blind and partially sighted people. Make Transport Accessible is a sight loss council campaign that fights to ensure blind and partially sighted people are able to rely on accessible public transport to travel independently and safely. Blind and partially sighted people rely on a range of transport solutions to get around independently. These include public transport such as buses, trains, trams and light rail services, as well as private transport such as taxis and private hire vehicles. All public transport Transport providers have a duty under the Equality Act 2010 to make their services accessible. Despite this, and blind and partially sighted people's reliance on their services, a lack of accessibility significantly hampers the ability and confidence of blind and partially sighted people to use these services. What follows is the content of a letter written to the Right Honourable Grant Shapps, MP, Secretary of State for Transport. The letter was sent by email by Charles Cahun, Chief Executive of the Thomas Poplington Trust. The number of the Trust's head office is 020-8995-0880. That's 020-8995-0880. Dear Secretary of State, 
as the government continues to develop its transport policies, including the transport bill proposed in the Queen's speech. We are writing to you to urge you to inject renewed energy into delivering accessible bus travel for blind and partially sighted people. There are an estimated 2 million people in the United Kingdom living with sight loss. For these people, many of whom are not legally permitted to drive, public transport is a lifeline. It enables blind and partially sighted people to access work, education, healthcare and other community facilities and businesses. The government has, over several years, shown a strong commitment to improving the accessibility of public transport and the Thomas Pocklington Trust have been proud supporters of initiatives like It's Everyone's Journey and others. It's five years since the government introduced the Bus Services Act 2017. This act introduced a range of measures to improve bus services. However, in respect of audiovisual announcements on buses, the ambitions of the act are still not implemented. For blind and partially sighted people, audio-visual announcements make the difference in enabling independent bus travel. Without them, using the bus network can be challenging at best and impossible at worst. But it's not just visually impaired people who would benefit from audio-visual announcements, but all bus users who would get stronger real-time information and journeys, routes and stops. A timetable for AV regulations. The Bus Services Act gives you the authority to introduce regulations that require all bus service operators to implement audiovisual announcements. The government has made repeated promises to implement these regulations by the end of this year. We are writing to you now to ask you to commit to a timetable for implementation. Blind and partially sighted people have already been waiting five years for this to happen and should not have to wait any longer. A commitment to a clear timetable would give impetus to this work amongst bus operators and transport authorities alike and offer an important assurance to blind and partially sighted people that action is forthcoming. Helping operators invest. The government announced as part of its national bus strategy a plan to make available funding of £2 million to help bus operators implement audiovisual announcement. This has recently been increased by a further £1.5 million. However, to date, none of this money has been spent, despite most of it being announced nearly three years ago in November 2019. We know that your department plans to wait until new regulations are enacted under the Bus Services Act, but we are concerned that this simply delays action still further when investment could already be taking place and changing the experience of blind and partially sighted bus users. There are approximately 30,000 buses in operation across the country and this funding, though welcome, amounts to around £100 per bus. We would urge you to consider whether this is sufficient to deliver the step change in audiovisual announcement availability that is required and to start investing now. The government has recognised that bus operators should not be expected to meet the costs of installing audiovisual announcements on their services alone. This was and remains a national issue which requires national support and local implementation. We look forward to hearing your thoughts on these proposals. DNF Soundings.
Cheers for that, Anne. Up now, we have our final block of local news. And starting this one off for us, we first hear Liz. From Cadbury's to the likes of Spangles, a popular museum has launched a call to collect confectionery from between the 1940s to the 1960s. The Black Country Living Museum issued the call to those with a sweet tooth during the post-war period as part of its Forging Ahead project. The development includes the ambitious creation of a new historic town complete with buildings set in eras ranging from the 1940s to the 1960s. Amongst these are the Hales-Owen and Hasbury Cooperative from the 1940s, Bergen's Newsagents from the 1950s to 60s, and Spring Hill Post Office in the 1960s. And a common theme amongst these shops is that they would all have sold sweets and confectionery to the young over the post-war period. To properly furnish the buildings and set the story for the visitors, the Black Country Living Museum is looking for donations related to sweets and confectionery from the 1940s to 60s. They are particularly looking for any examples of the sweets in their original paper packaging, as they are proving to be a very rare find. There are several brands the museum is keen to represent in their new development, including items from world-renowned companies such as Cadbury's, Roundtree's and Mars, right through to smaller companies such as Barker and Dobson and Callard and Bowser. A particularly valued brand that the Black Country Living Museum is looking to acquire examples of is Spangles, a fruit-flavoured sweet manufactured by the Mars Confectionery Company. The sweets were reportedly the favourite of the black country footballer Duncan Edwards, who frequently visited Bergen's newsagents with his father before the Second World War. As well as original examples of the sweets themselves, the museum would also gratefully receive any packaging, advertising or related memorabilia to confectionery around this time. People should get in touch with the Forging Ahead team at collections at bclm.com or call 0121-557-9643. A former Wolverhampton bank has been converted to a decorating centre. Brewers Decorating Centres, with more than 180 stores across the UK, is to open a new store in the city at One Chapel Ash this month. The property, a detached commercial building, which provides a total internal floor area of 4,528 square feet, was previously home to a branch of Barclays Bank. Martin Zaki, who handled the letting of the property for Towler Shaw Roberts, said the property will be remembered by many as a bank and it occupies a highly visible roadside position in Chapel Ash, close to Wolverhampton city centre. It stimulated much interest and we are delighted that Brewers Decorating Centres, another welcome addition to the city, will be making the property its latest store. Brewers Decorator Centres provide paint, wallpaper and wood care supplies to both professional decorators and DIY customers. A new micro-pubs specialising in cask ales, craft beers and a variety of gins is set to open its doors in Dudley after the proposal was approved by planning chiefs. After opening its first branch in Dickens Heath Solly Hull in September 2020, the Ale Hub Limited has successfully been expanding. The new site in Kings Winford, which was formerly a betting shop, will be its sixth micro pub and will be open to locals from 12 pm to 11:30 pm. 
Owners say they aim to provide the community with the choice of refreshing and well-kept beverages in a relaxed and friendly environment. Owner Connor McDermott said, Our focus is on selling premium craft beer and real ales, as well as high-quality gins. These tend to be quite premium brands, and we're not a cheap-style pub which sells cheap beer. We focus on quality. We believe our niche is different from most chain stores as we are purely wet-led, so we don't serve food. Our focus is also away from families, which is evidenced by our no children after 6pm rule. The property has previously transformed a newsagent and a bank as well as another betting shop. An objection to the license was received from a resident who lives upstairs and said that the new license would damage her health. The objector said... The granting of a license to open a micropub would be detrimental to my health, especially if they intend to have music, as we already have problems with a wireless playing in the barbershop next door. In reply, Mr McDermott added, We will have signs requesting patrons to respect our neighbours as they leave the premises. This will help, help the prevention of altercations. Background music inside the venue will also be kept to a low volume. Anyone now wishing to appeal against the license will have 21 days to do so. A day of live entertainment and have-a-go activities has been planned to celebrate the Commonwealth Games coming to a black country city centre. The lineup for the free Wolverhampton Commonwealth Games Festival site has been announced for Thursday, August the 4th, when the city hosts the men's and women's cycling time trials starting and finishing at West Park. Anyone who couldn't get tickets to the event can watch all the action for free at the site at Old Market Square from 9.30am to 6pm. Visitors will be able to immerse themselves in live sport as cyclists zoom through Old Market Square or grab a seat, soak up the atmosphere and watch all the action on the big screen. On the day, there will be interviews with sporting stars such as Kinga Ingram, who graduated from the British Cycling Junior Academy in 2021 and joins Story Racing for her second full season. Commonwealth Games gold medalist Hugh Porter, MBE, who will also be on hand to offer his thoughts on the time trials as well as revealing facts about what happens during the race. As well as live music from Ryan Evans, Hit the Doll and Copycats, there will be a dance performance by Flexus Dance Collective and a showing of the Beverly Bennett Film Showcase, Nation's Finest, Putting Down Roots and Birthing. There will also be have-a-go cycling activities, information stands, a great range of food and beverages, face painting, children's rides and a live screen to catch all the action from the time trial itself. Visitors to Dudley's Grange Park can make the most of new inclusive exercise kit. The Zone Fitness Station is a multi-station unit with pull-up bars, sit-up bars, an exercise bike, walker and wheel exercise unit for people who use wheelchairs. It was funded through Dudley Council via Section 106 funding and the Friends of Grange Park who accessed additional funding through a community forum bid. Councillor Shaz Salim, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm said... 
The new fitness station is a fantastic asset to Grange Park and is particularly beneficial as it can be used by everyone as it has inclusive exercise equipment for people who use wheelchairs. I'm really grateful to the Friends of Grange Park for their hard work and support in making this happen and helping to make Grange Park even more of a community space. The new fitness station complements existing facilities, which include a multi-use games area, cricket cage and football pitches. Park active sessions are held at the park on Sunday mornings, led by the Friends of Grange Park, who will be making use of the kit as part of the session. People can join up via lets-get.com. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone, I hope that this hot weather's suiting you and that it hasn't left you feeling too wilted. It's certainly holiday weather and where better to be than at the seaside. So pack your buckets and spades and have a glimpse at seaside fun from the past. Now then, did you know that? The Punch and Judy tradition harks back to the 16th century Italy. The first recorded appearance in England though was on the 9th of May 1662 and that date is recognised as being Mr Punch's birthday. Mr Punch's squeaky, that's the way to do it voice, is created by the use of a swazzle device in the puppeteer's mouth. <coughs> Traditionally, the Punch and Judy man is known as Professor. Mr Punch's wife Judy was originally named Joan, but the name Judy was adopted because Joan was too difficult to say using the swazzle. Over the years, Punch and Judy shows have been targeted by Puritan Cromwellians as being too lewd, by pacifists for being too violent, and recently for being not politically correct. But it survives, adapts, and still entertains. And sticks of rock were first sold in the UK fairgrounds in the 19th century, and was originally known as Fair Rock. One of the early pioneers was an ex-miner from Burnley named Ben Bullock, he owned a confectionery factory in Yorkshire and began producing lettered rock back in 1887. And while we're on about the seaside, Blackpool's Golden Mile needs a mention, although it's actually 1.6 miles long. But did you know that it all started when boarding houses along that stretch of promenade set up stalls in their front gardens, selling oysters and cockles, told fortunes and sold sweets and refreshments to visitors who arrived by train and had to pass by on their way to see the town. The first seaside piers were built in England in the early 19th century. Originally constructed as simple wooden landing stages for boat trips, they later developed into complex entertainment venues with ornate pavilions, delicate ironwork and theatres. And the longest pier in the world is the one at Southend-on-Sea, where it stretches a whopping 1.34 miles out into the Thames estuary. The oldest pier in the UK is that at Ryde, which was built in 1814, and the oldest cast iron pier is Southport Pier standing at the test of time for over 150 years. It's also the second longest with a length of 1,108 metres. I must say that I do like to be beside the seaside. Ooh, I nearly burst into song then, but luckily for you I didn't. 
I think it's not just the sights but the sounds too that are there to be enjoyed and recalled on gloomy winter's days. In the road up I'm off. I'm going to rinse my sand out of my flip flops and dust off my kiss me quick hat ready for my next day trip. So till next week then, I'll say ta a bit. Ta-ra! Cheers very much for those facts, Roger. Up now, it's time to move over into the sport. Hello, I'm Ian and here's your latest football news. New Wolves signing Nathan Collins is determined to make a push for Europe and believes the club should have high aspirations for the upcoming Premier League season. The Republic of Ireland international became Wolves' first signing of the summer when he made the £20.5 million switch from Burnley. Not only does the central defender believe Wolves is the right club for him and his style, but he insists the talent in the squad is strong enough to make a top seven charge. This season I want to push for Europe. I think as a group we all want that, Colin said via the club's website. That should be the minimum of what we want to push for, but if we do that we can push on again and keep getting better as a team over the next five years. I can't wait. I need to get back playing football. I missed it over the break. The Premier League's one of the best. I really enjoy the challenge of it. I want to get back playing as soon as. When asked about Wolves being the right club for him, Collins added, There was a lot to it. I played against Wolves twice last season and saw the style of play, and I think it complements my style of play. I saw the team and saw there was something to build on, and I think there's something to chase as a team. We have high aspirations and I'm looking forward to the season. When I played them at Molyneux, that was tough. They played us off the park, really. It was a different game when we played them at home, but they were a tough team and we probably didn't deserve to win, but we got a result somehow. Tough team to play against and on their day, they're a really good team. Albion were held to a 1-1 draw by Crewe in a pre-season friendly at Gresty Road. The Baggies have lacked a cutting edge throughout the summer, with Steve Bruce's side having struggled to convert the chances they have created. And that continued in Cheshire with John Swift, Semi Ajayi and Connor Townsend all having decent opportunities to open their scoring for the Baggies in the first half. Bruce's men did take the lead shortly after the interval when Swift turned home an excellent cross from Jed Wallace. But Crewe grew in stature as the game wore on and they got themselves level when former Walsall striker Dan Agyei produced a brilliant finish after finding himself through on goal. Speaking afterwards, Bruce said, Every game it's been the same. It's not a concern just yet because we haven't started, but we have to improve. In this run of games, we have dominated. We should do, don't get me wrong, but we've missed big chances, big chances. Even when we've been offside, we've missed. And we've also given three or four really poor goals away. We have to do better than that, but it's the conversion rate that's the real issue. Up now. We have on Beacon Sight Loss Advisor Mina, who's requesting people to help with the befriending service. And on top of that, we get to hear about filter glasses. Hello, my name's Mina, and I work for the Beacon Befriending Programme. Would you like to volunteer for Beacon? Due to high demand of people asking for telephone befriending, Beacon are looking for new volunteers to join the befriending programme. Your role would be to contact lonely, isolated people in the community, offer them a friendly listening ear, have a chat and help reduce their isolation. 
If you can spare as little as 30 minutes a week to befriend someone in need, please give us a call on 01902 880111. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Need help with sight loss? Well, during the summer months, filter glasses might help. A range of glasses specifically for sight loss to protect your eyes from harmful UV rays and to reduce glare and bright light. They make things clearer to see and your eyes more comfortable, either worn on their own or over your prescription glasses. Wearing a sun hat, baseball cap or sun visor will help too. To try the range of cocoon filter glasses and to find the right lens and frame to make life a bit more comfortable for you, call Beacon Sight Loss Advisors for an appointment by simply calling 01902 880 111. Up now, we're to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. The weather for this week ahead starts off a little wet as we begin to cool down. Then it soon develops into a settled front. Temperatures will typically hover around 20 degrees. UV levels are expected to be moderate throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 5.17am for the sunrise and 9.12pm for the sunset. For Friday 22nd of July, we have little rain showers and a little breeze with a maximum temperature of 21 degrees. On Saturday 23rd of July, we have light cloud and gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 22 degrees. For Sunday 24th of July, we have light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 23 degrees. And for Monday, 25th of July, all the way through to Thursday, 28th of July, it's sunny intervals and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 22 degrees. So, that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Thank you very much for that weather update, Mina. Now we move over to Craig, who's got himself a new business venture. Oh, I'm Craig, and this week I welcome you to my ice cream van. With the recent warm weather we've had, I thought I'd share with you five facts all about ice cream. I delve all the versions of the dessert between ancient China and Rome. Ice cream as we know it today was created in Italy. The first ice cream van vendor was Harry Butter of the United States who started his business in 1920. Charles I of England was such a fan of the stuff he paid his chef £500 a year to keep his personal ice cream recipe a secret. In 19... 84, President Ronald Reagan declared July to be National Ice Cream Month. <coughs> Artisan made ice cream is a rising trend in the UK and Ireland. Around 1,000 small projects of expensive and elite ice cream products. Yes! Now, before I go, I thought I'd better leave you with a joke. Why did the newspaper talk to the ice cream? He was looking for a scoop. I'm Craig and thanks for visiting my ice cream lab.
Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question one. In what month is Mr Punch's birthday? And the answer? May. Question two. What title is given to Punch and Judy Mann? And the answer? Professor. Question three. What was the original name for Sticks of Seaside Rock? And the answer here is Fair Rock. Question four. How long is Blackpool's Golden Mile? And the answer here is 1.6 miles. Question five. What was used to build the first piers? And the answer here is wood. And finally, question six. Where is the world's largest pier? And the answer here is Southend-on-Sea. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard was a recording of a garden water sprinkler. Now, to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we hear about a project that allows people to listen to the solar system. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Mary Buckley reading an article about a sound-based tour of the universe. Astronomers from the universities of Newcastle and Portsmouth have developed a way to make learning about the universe a more inclusive experience for everyone by surrounding the audience with sound. Supported by the Science and Technology Facilities Council, they have developed a sound-based educational astronomy show called Audio Universe tour of the solar system. The show takes the audience on a journey inside a special imaginary spacecraft fitted with technology that turns the light from objects in space into sounds. The especially good news is that the 35-minute show is now available free online for everyone to enjoy. During the show, the audience listens to the stars that appear above the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope in Chile. Each star in the sky is represented by one musical note. The colour of the star determines the pitch of the note and the brightness of the star determines the volume of the note. The brightest stars appear first and the position of each star determines from which speaker it can be heard. Members of the blind and vision-impaired community played vital roles throughout the development of the show. Blind astronomer Dr Nick Bond from the University of Portsmouth's Institute of Cosmology and Gravitation acted as a consultant on the project. He plays himself in the show and acts as an expert tour guide. There are astronomers who use sound rather than visual graphs and images. As someone with a visual impairment, I wish this kind of show had existed when I was a kid, he said. 
Speaking to Newshook, a media site focusing on changing attitudes towards disability globally, Newcastle University's Dr Chris Harrison explained that interest in using sound to represent astronomical data has been growing over the past few years. Dr Harrison, who is an astronomer as well as creator and director of the show, said, Astronomers have realised the potential to use our ears instead of or as well as our eyes to explore the huge amount of information coming from telescopes. Furthermore, a couple of blind professional astronomers have also used sound in their research because traditional visual techniques are limited in their usefulness. By developing sound-based approaches to representing astronomical objects or phenomena that are useful both for children and professional researchers, the team hopes that the Audio Universe project will increase accessibility to enjoying the wonders of the universe and also increase representation from the blind community among professional astronomers. The project uses a specially designed computer code called Strauss, which represents real astronomical data through sound. The code's lead developer, Dr James Trayford from the University of Portsmouth, said, Our code was originally developed with the aim of using our ears to detect subtle signals in astronomical data that our eyes might miss using traditional visual graphs and images. Amrit Singh, a blind school pupil who was interested in the universe, gave up his time once a week for several months to provide his perspective. This was facilitated through Rachel Lambert, a qualified teacher of children and young people with vision impairment who works with Newcastle Children's Vision Team. Rachel also provided the voice of the spacecraft's captain for the show. I think the show will raise the expectations and aspirations of children with a vision impairment, she said. It's very important for all children to have those role models in real-life situations whom they can aspire to and who demonstrate that they can do whatever they want to do. The UK premiere took place in December in Life Science Centre in Newcastle and Winchester Science Centre and Planetarium in Hampshire. Although the show's primary audience were school children aged 7 to 14, it was an enjoyable experience for people of all ages. The full 35-minute show, Audio Universe, Tour of the Solar System, has been released online and is free for both professional planetaria and for viewing online at home or in schools. To hear or watch the 35-minute show, visit tnflink.uk slash 118. That's tnflink.uk slash 118 and click on the link marked Watch the Full Show Now. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, 
Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening, and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!